Welcome to the Speak Pack Podcast, where high-performing speakers and the producers who hire them merge to give you the insider secrets to the lucrative speaking industry. Antonia Rose, your podcast host and celebrated speaker agent, unveils insider success strategies. Discover a nexus of thought leaders and bookers maximizing your potential in each and every episode. Your ticket to ultimate speaking success begins right here. Catch the transformative insights waiting for you on the Speak Packed podcast, hosted by the industry powerhouse herself, Antoniette Rose. Welcome back to Speak Packed. I'm super excited that you are here today with me because the guest that I have in this studio is an OG when it comes to getting your voice out there in a really big and powerful way. Kat Haber is one of the original TEDx stage creators. She also, 10 years ago, created the the virtual Rotarian Global, I'm going to let you say it, Okay. Uh, Rotary Club of International Peace, <laughs> which oh. is just incredible. Um, so you really were doing this before it was a thing, before it was in every university, the TEDx, right? And before there were TEDx stages to even apply to. So there are going to be some really deep in, insights that you're going to be able to give us. So first of all, I love what you're all about. You care about people. You care about the planet. And you care about people's voices getting out there, right? And doing good and having peace in this world. And so what came first, the passion and then one in just that desire to find an outlet to get some of those messages out there? Or did you just find this platform and kind of step into a platform where then you wanted to utilize it in a big way and get some some messages out that that were near and dear to your heart kind of what started the whole journey for you oh gosh I started as a child checking out crayfish and frogs and all kinds of beautiful things that were natural testing the waters and so I really came to TEDx through uh, caring about earth I was serving on the Wild Foundation, which is International Wilderness Conservation. And my teammate uh, said, hey, we should do it like TED. And I said, well, what's TED? I subsequently found out it means technology, entertainment, and design. And about a, a month after I attended that first event in Palm Springs, they sent an email to a few of us uh, inviting us to see if we'd like to do a TED like independently organized event in our own community. And I didn't even read the whole thing until I started filling out the application. It was such an empowering experience. I knew that I would uh, vastly improve the experience of the 150 young people that I was bringing to Merida, Mexico, to join the 1500 global uh conservation leaders for taking care of the wildest parts of the planet. Okay. So first and foremost, I always wondered what Ted meant. I was it Ted that started it and I've never really looked it up. So it's technology, education, nope. and design. No nope. entertainment. That's entertainment. a common, but it, 
But we do do a lot of enter- ent- uh, educating, but it's through entertaining. Because if all of those talks were really boring, no one would listen to them. <laughs> so you make them entertaining. So who started it and how did you get hooked up in the in the very beginning days? Uh, so... Saul Werman started it in the 80s, and it was like the cool place to go for dinner with all of the smart kids. And then it evolved into an actual event. He started inviting more people. Chris Anderson bought the platform from uh, Saul. uh, And subsequently, after Chris had the platform, he decided to post all of those talks that were generated online on YouTube for free. That then opened the door for people. uh, June Cohen had the idea to give the talks away for free and invite people who had attended TED to organize their own events in their own communities. So there's been a myriad, right, of free talk platforms, paid talk platforms. What do you think resonated with TED and then and then ultimately TEDx that has made it the phenomenon that it is? Well, it's fun. It's interesting. It provides important ideas. It's uh, universal. When they gave the talks away for free, anyone can go online, look up TED.com or go to YouTube, and you can access over 200,000 talks, which have been generated by 45,000 independently organized TEDx events. And we have over 3 billion views right now. That's incredible. And what I love is it's, it's, it's amazing. Like when you listen to a TEDx talk, it feels like you've listened to an hour long talk. And I think they're what, 18 minutes? That's an interesting question. They started out a long meandering lecture and they have reduced over time to between three and 12 minutes today because our attention spans have shrunk with the evolution of TikTok and Instagram and scrolling people's attention. You have to get to the point very quickly. In fact, Right now, I'm coaching a group of youth speakers here in Vail, Colorado, and uh, their talks that they'll present this Sunday will be three minutes long. So they'll have an initial sentence that will create an intrigue for people. It will also give a clue about what their idea is, their big idea, And then it will also create some curiosity for what their call to action will be throughout the talk. So were you the very first founder of the TEDx Veil? Yeah. How did that come about? Well, I started organizing in Homer, Alaska in 2009. And then 2010 organized the next month or two in both Vail, Colorado, and Homer, Alaska, and did that for four years. And then they expected us to choose one community or the other. Mm. So, so it took- kind of TEDx is, TED 
and and especially TEDx because TED is by invitation only, right? But you can apply for mm-hmm. TEDx stages. So mm-hmm. they are two very different things. I think sometimes people talk about them synonymously, but TED and TEDx are two totally different things, I guess, under the same umbrella. Um, what it's it's like it's become a rite of passage for mm-hmm. any speaker. Like if you are a speaker and you are a thought leader and an influencer, you've got to at least get one TEDx stage under your belt, right? Like why and wh- where do you think that came from? Well, I think it's made such a positive contribution to the world and um, people are eager to find out what are the solutions to so many uh, predicaments that we find ourselves in, the six mass extinction, climate breakdown, uh, multiple global conflicts, uh, rapidly changing technology, AI, VR, AR, you name it. It's The world is moving so quickly, people are wanting to figure out, what do I do in this time? And this is a free resource. If you attend a TEDx or TED in person, it's immensely inspiring, and I think it's hopeful. People are looking for positive ways of improving their lives during such uncertainty. Mm, that was so well said. Hopeful and mm-hmm. positive change during, yeah, positive inspiration during uncertainty. So does every TED chapter, do you call it chapters, but does every TED chapter have a, a theme or you're, you're, cause I know yours is really strongly rooted in, um, climate and mm-hmm. I think world peace, right? Uh, to correct me if that's not correct. Yeah. So TED and TEDx, when they are put together in a program, they'll have a very broad universal theme and then, um, they will choose the speakers. The most important thing for someone who's interested in becoming either a TED or a TEDx speaker is that you have something worthwhile to say. And I can give you a caveat. If you are an influencer or a coach, you have to really be creative and have a unique angle because many of those talks, all those, many of those ideas have already been generated. And if you have specific evidence, if you have research, if you have data that shows that what you're doing, the impact that you're having is really working, you're more likely to be invited. I get thousands of unsolicited, uh, hey there, I think you should put me on your stage. And um, we've just recently taken off our off of our web, website, TEDxFail, we've taken off the thing where people can apply because we were just finding that it was really becoming, people weren't really understanding what they needed to have as qualifications to become a TEDx speaker. That's, that's really valuable information. So for TEDx Veil, anyway, I know it's different for each, each organizer, each one. In order to get on your stage, how do they get discovered? Like how, how do how does a speaker get your attention if they want to get on your your stage? 
Some TEDx events still do have a formal application process. I've also noted recently that there are people who are monetizing speaking coaches who promise that they'll get you on a TEDx page, uh, stage. I don't know that that is really very accurate. Um, it's up to us, the organizers, to curate the very best ideas. Um, so how do they get do on? You just home, do, you, do you just like comb the internet, watch, watch different platforms. And then when somebody piques your attention, you, you're the one as an organizer, you reach out versus you prefer to reach out than to be pitched. Is am I, am I correct? And that's pretty much true for most TEDx organizers. You can imagine we get unsolicited offers daily. That's very eye-opening because I honestly, I thought it was like most speaking engagements. You let the organizer know what you believe that you can bring to the table for the audience and you go through the application process um, and then you're chosen. But when it comes to TEDx, I know TED for sure. I didn't realize for TEDx, more and more organizers, if I'm understanding you right, are moving towards the model where it's by invitation only. You can't really apply. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, so most, oh, go ahead. I was going to say there's been a transition of original uh, elder organizers to younger, uh, um, less experienced organizers, and they may have uh, a solicitation survey or application form in place. We did until recently. Um, and so that might be one way. I've noticed that even some middle schools and high schools have, have a TEDx chapter. So it's not all necessary. I know a lot of them are through universities, but TEDx Vale, is that through a university or is that just a, a regional? No, it's just, uh, just that we organize it here in the Valley. We do invite outside speakers from uh, about half of our speakers often are from other places that we think the ideas are ripe and need to be relevant to our community. And then we also elevate local. Uh, right now we're working with local teenagers to help them get their voice out because they're feeling unheard and disassociated from the resolution of education and their community involvement and their social connection to the community. Wow, that's powerful. So in a given year, how many, um, would you call them performances or mm -hmm. events would you create? Yeah, so right now our cycle seems to be post-COVID. One in-person event of about 500 people. And then we've done anywhere from four to eight events online. Per year. And, so yeah. one on location mm -hmm. a year. So that doesn't, how does somebody get your attention or you just do your thing and do it well. And then that particular TEDx organizer, if it's their theme, they're going to be combing the news and combing, keeping their eyes and ears open and they come to you. That's basically what you're saying. That yeah. what I'm, 
Yeah, remember I said the most important thing for becoming a TEDx speaker is to have done something worthy, to have an idea that's worth spreading. That's kind of the tagline of what we do. So um, I am connected to many organizations. I see what's happening in the community. And then I also have a global connection network. And when I see that there's something approaching and someone has a profound solution for it, then often I'll work with them. So some of those ideas have not even really gotten out if I'm dealing with, um, uh, like I was dealing with some speakers who had not yet been known, but I know that their research is credible and should be paid attention to. And then after we have the speaker, um, we edit that talk, and then we put it um, up for being online. And before it goes online, it's reviewed by TED for efficacy. And um, if it's a health-related talk, it has to be proven that that is, in fact, the case. There are four regions that are very difficult to get TEDx talks in, and those are um, anything about politics, health, pseudoscience, or religion. So if you're thinking about doing a talk in that area, you'd really want to work closely with the curator to make sure that it's acceptable to TED because we don't really want to be... seen as taking one side or another. We want to be as universal and fair as possible. On a more neutral plane. So what are some of the other major themes that some of the bigger TEDx organizations have? So yours is climate and world peace. What are some of the other biggies? Well, so it just so happens that those are my personal interests, but I also produce all kinds of talks that are beyond that. So, and that would be true for every TEDx organizer. They will, uh, they'll choose a theme like our theme for the youth event this year is rethink. So you can imagine rethink it's, it's broad and open and general, and that will be the case for TED as well as TEDx events. And then they fill that with uh, speakers who have solutions in those arenas. And it can be anything. It can, it's a long list of about 200 different possibilities. Is there anywhere where TEDx organizers come together and you might, you might have a, a hope of getting recognized by them? Like, I don't know, a big conference where you can maybe go and meet meet some TEDx organizers, possibly do a talk there, and uh, the ones who are interested in your subject matter will come and listen. Ha- I, I know that this is a pretty big world, and if, it, if TEDx stage is one of your main goals, if that's, if that's something you're really interested in, what increases your odd, odds other than being innovated being being innovative and really getting your voice out there and doing good in this world. Hopefully we're all doing that. Like I'm, I'm hoping at least this audience is, is being innovative and 
doing good in this world and getting their voices out there. Over and above that, if if your desire and your one of your dreams is to be able to speak on a TEDx stage, how do we get your attention? So there used to be a time uh, when TEDx organizers would come together. Uh, since COVID, that really has not reemerged. Uh, TED Women was held in Atlanta, Georgia for the past year or two. And many TEDx organizers attend that. Um, most of those speakers are female. That's an area that Ted would like to see more speakers be female. At the beginning, it was almost exclusively male. Hmm. So you might have an advantage in that area. Um, you could be an amazing entertainer with a positive impact through a project or um, a campaign or movement in the world. That's another way. Um, um, really, it's just being and doing and having something really big and bold and beautiful to share that will make an impact. What's the process once you've kind of identified somebody that you're interested for your stage and you reach out to them? I'm sure there's more of a process that's going to help them get qualified. What's the next step for them? Yeah. So in, in my case, and keep in mind, everyone has their own process. Um, in my case, uh, we'll extend an invitation to them. We'll coach them. So for example, these youth that I'm referencing, they have already had five coaching sessions on audience, story, visuals, impact, and call to action. Then they'll record a three-minute talk, which I'll see on Sunday, and we'll continue to work with them every other week. Producing your own TEDx talk is like going through a, a, a hero's journey because you have to inspire the audience to become the hero so that you then can step onto the stage as Yoda, the master, the one who allows the stone to be pulled out, the sword to be pulled out of the stone so that Arthur can go on and be the hero while Merlin sits back and supports the mastery of the community growing together. Does that make sense? I'm gonna have to soak into that one. <laughs> I might need I might need to re-listen to that part. It's it sounds fun. It sounds like a really good movie. Um but I I think I, I get what you're saying. Basically, you want this is my interpretation. You want to inspire to the level where you're kind of pulling out the magic in people. Am I anywhere close? <laughs> yeah, more than magic, I would say um pulling out the deep-rooted wisdom that they're giving to the world. It's really, it's not magic. In fact, I would say it's the opposite. It's, um, it's the wisdom, really, either from life experience or research or creativity 
or recognizing a, a fresh way of creating a more connected community, um, coming up with new technology that solves a huge world problem. Okay. Wow. There's a lot more to TEDx um, that, that I really knew. You're really pulling pulling it out for us. I so appreciate that. You are one of the originals and pr- I would assume maybe one of the longest running organizers. What's the average number of years that a given organizer sticks with their their region? Antonia, that is such a great question. I'd like to know the answer to that. <laughs> I've produced uh, four, over 400 TEDx talks in the 15 years. And I don't know how many of us original organizers there are. It does seem after COVID that there has been some changing of the guard. I continue to meet every uh, every Saturday for two hours with original TEDx organizers. And of those, I think only two of maybe a few dozen are continuing to organize. That's devotion to give two hours of every Saturday of your life to something that you believe. I absolutely love that. So is there only one TEDx organization per region or can there be multiple with just different focuses? There can be multiple depending on your community, especially in urban centers and cities. Quite often you'll have all different levels of events. You might have one large city event. Uh, Boston probably has a half dozen based on universities. It has a major one that uh, goes for a couple of days. Um, It has uh, youth-related ones. So it just depends on the willingness of individuals and organizations to volunteer. None of us are paid, none of the organizers, none of the speakers, no one that contributes to this uh, community stone soup, elevating ideas that are worth listening to and responding with. Um, so it is, it's all, uh, Chris Anderson has just written a book called Infectious Generosity. And we feel that we are all giving as much of our heart and soul as we can to this. That's incredible. Okay, so let's just say someone out there who's listening to us, it really has this desire to give that kind of time and dedication to something that they're not going to get paid for because they want to see uh, TEDx in their community and maybe maybe themed or just maybe they just really want to do that. What's the process? Who do you, where do you apply? How do you get approved to start a TEDx? Sure. So you go to TED.com and then you go to, uh, I think it's participate. And then you scroll down to, let me just pull it up so I can get this exactly right because I want people. One way is to attend your local TEDx if there's one there already. Uh, If you attend it, then you kind of make yourself known. So you go to TED.com and then go to participate 
and then scroll down to organize a local TEDx event. And then what you do is just read through all of the stats there. And um, there's an application process. And it's helpful to have someone guide you through that process because there are a couple of filters if they get a sense that you're doing this for self-promotion or you think it's going to help your company or your project, chances are you will not be approved as a TEDx organizer. So you want to really have a very generous heart and show that you're doing this for the goodness of the community. Um, so as far as how to get into TEDx, First thing I would say is do something great in the world. Number two, attend your local TEDx if there is one. Number three, if there isn't a local TEDx, consider starting one in your region and be guided by someone who you are in contact with. And the way you can find that out is, again, go to TED.com and you want to go to attend. And then when you uh, go to attend, let me just pull myself out of here. When you go to attend, you um, go to conferences or rather to TEDx events. And this is how you can find local existing TEDx events. Europe has the highest concentration, Europe and India, oh. and then the East Coast of America. And um, in all countries, in most, in all continents and in most countries, you can find a locally and independently organized TEDx event. Uh, Russia and Ch China do, does have some. Russia has um, a few. But other than that, most other countries, with the exception of maybe some parts of Africa, looks like most of Latin America has it. So what you do is you go to attend, and then in the search bar, you put your local community or where you're headed to, and then you can search that way, and you'll see if there's a past event there, if there's a current event that's possible to attend, or if there's a, a future event. And does each organizer choose how many events they do a year, or is there a, a sort of a, a requirement of how many events you would promote a, a year? No requirement. Keep in mind, this is all out of the goodness and generosity of our heart. So they don't have a requirement on that, but they do have very strict rules. And it's long and complicated. And if you're a former event, organizer as you are, you uh, would find um, very clear limitations and expectations. Gotcha. So out of, let's say, 10 people, just you may have these, these stats and you may not, um, mm -hmm. who apply to have their own, do you call it a chapter, have their own TEDx organization? Just, just Mm -hmm. How many out of 10 do you feel like actually make it? I really don't know the answer to that. Yeah. It's such a Herculean task 
just to produce our own community uh, events. In the past, before COVID, we did either attend TED Active, which was a simulcast of TED. All of us would attend in either Palm Springs or Banff. Um, and then after that, we had TED Fest, TEDx Fest, where uh, about a thousand TEDx organizers from around the world would come together and share ideas, up level our skill sets, have workshops, do social spaces. Um, since then, we've been doing regional workshops. So it sounds to me like as long as you're following their rules, there's not a set number of like discretionary hours you should have available to yourself um, for a given, for, you know, on average for a week or a month to be an organizer, right? Or would you, or do you have some recommendations if you're going to take on this kind of commitment, you should at least have this number of discretionary hours available to you? It's a big commitment. Let me just say that. Uh, so I don't know if your readers are familiar with what it takes to put on an in-person event, but it takes partner dollars. It takes curating the speakers, coaching the speakers, doing marketing, arranging the venue, uh, designing social spaces, uh, creating the content, filming all of the technology, the sound, the editing, the uploading, the agreements, the contracts, the releases. Oh my it, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, now I'm kind of seeing the picture of why a lot of these are based out of universities, right? Because they already have the venue a lot of times they already have the sound equipment. Hopefully they have students who can kind of run some of those things. Otherwise, it sounds like it's up to you to either get sponsors or somehow have access to some of those things or big pockets where you can kind of fund those things on your own. Yeah, yes. I, don't think, I don't think the average person would think that. It's just like, I just want to get create this thing. People will come and hear some innovative, incredible ideas. Um, but they're just, it's, it's a job that, yeah. that paid by knowing paid. That you're doing good. It's paid yeah. by just knowing that you're doing good, but not paid. And I would assume that any, if you do get sponsors, that if there happens to be extra leftover, it goes into some sort of a pot for future events. Yep. That's right. Yeah. That's a commitment. That gives me a whole new appreciation for these organizations um, who put on regular TEDx mm -hmm. events. So for you, because you're not based out of a university, how do you navigate that? How do you get your venue and your sound equipment and your volunteers to run everything? Because yeah. hopefully it's not just you <laughs> doing all of that. Yeah, no, it's really a, a, a committed team. It takes a huge commitment. We have uh, used several different venues in the Valley. We've used the Villar Performing Arts Center, which hosts about 500 people at Beaver Creek, beautiful wooden venue. We've been at the Ford Amphitheater, which is an outdoor venue, which hosts 
1,500 people. We've mm-hmm. been at the local schools, local churches, um, online events we've been holding with the Oye platform, which now has been bought by a film industry. So we're doing our uh, online events probably on Zoom this year. So all of these different venues, were they donated to you or did some sponsor pay for them? How, how did that work for you? Um, they were donated, um, mostly donated, um, and we also fundraised. What were some and of the they, things you did to fundraise? Oh, my gosh. Personal relationships, organizations, uh, similar uh, interests. Uh, yeah. That's amazing to know that how many years you've been doing this and it's really all on the organizer's back to make sure all of those moving parts are covered with no budget, no real budget outside of the goodness of people's opening up their, their pocketbooks or, or their resources, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. We start over every event. Really, you start from scratch every new event, new new venue, new sponsors, new tech team. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's we're incredible. Tiny. We're a little town of like 11,000 people here in Vail. So, yeah. <laughs> and you said you get an average about 500 people that, that come it, into your year. Yeah. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is, that's a feat. That's amazing. What to, explain, to people that don't really understand, what are social spaces? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so an idea might be, so for example, one year, uh, one of our speakers had been nearly crushed in a car accident from someone texting while driving. Her idea was to create a text-free zone in cars. So... Um, the local police station brought over a crushed car and generated conversations with young drivers about the dangers of texting and driving. So that physical crushed car was a social space that amplified the idea and the call to action by the speaker. She, of course, had an interest in that because she herself was almost killed from that experience. So instead of just being a victim from that, she took that experience and created um, a talk that now influences young drivers. And then that idea was made more experiential in the social space of the police actually bringing a car that was crushed as a result of a girl driving while texting. So when you say, that's incredible, I love this. Um, When you say social space, it's not like an actual place. It's more like a a community of people who come together for a common good. What, Like tangibly, how does that look and feel? Yeah. So at TED, in between the sessions, they'll have these places that are called social spaces. It might be art, it might be an innovation, it might be a project, it might be a campaign, it might be a movement. Um, So, for example, one year it was 23andMe when that was just coming out. It was um, taking uh, facial recognition when that was just being developed. Uh, 
So depending on what capacity your community has, many of our programs in the social spaces, we usually have around 15 to 20 experiences that people can have in between our two sessions of speakers and performers and entertainers. Uh, During that hour in the middle is where people will visit all of these social spaces. It might be free food. It might be something about a big campaign that's happening in the community. It, yeah, it just varies. Um, but social spaces is part of what um, distinguishes just a lecture or um, a festival ideas. It's really a way of creating community and fascination and fun. So I'm envisioning it's a, it's a coming together of people. Mm-hmm. who have a common desire to see something, some some change or innovation happening in an area. Mm-hmm. And if they come together each month or once a year, or is it just kind of vary? Generally speaking, it's once a year because you can see that it's such a big job to do. And it means assembling a team. It means refined communications. It means learning how to hold people accountable Uh, fluffing up their responsibility, all of that. So for most communities, it's a once a year event. Okay. So for you, you have one major on location event a year, multiple virtual events Mm -hmm. a year. Mm -hmm. Do you do a social space for uh, for TEDx Vail? Yeah, we have social spaces. Even on the online ones, we generate um, conversations Um, And then there's also the piece about swag, which is kind of a goodie bag. And uh, at TED, that is often brand new technology, cool tools, uh, interesting new materials. Um, Yeah. So there's that. This is really, really fascinating. There's just so much more to TEDx than watching a YouTube video. (laughs) Right. So that's really, really incredible. I love it. And so for your virtual events, do you get more people the same no. or fewer? Fewer. Fewer. It's a much more intimate experience. Mm-hmm. It's, and you, each one of it has its own theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we did um, pause countdown. Uh, let's see. Pause countdown. COVID clues. Climate Acts, Local Impacts. We had a thousand um, youth activists, experts, local leaders, Nobel Peace Prize winners, NGOs, uh, over a series of 28 conversations online, uh, Wednesdays at noon and Sundays for dinner. And we engaged in conversations about what was happening with them, their communities, their worlds, their solutions, so that we could get a sense of how COVID was impacting. Um, uh, right after this, I'll attend a, a TEDx that's online, and they'll show just three pre-recorded TED Talks and pretty much the same dozen, couple dozen people will show up. So it just ranges. It's a very large range. So do most of these TEDx speakers 
get their kind of TEDx film from doing the the once a year or however much that organizer does on mm-hmm. location? Or do some people actually create their TEDx talk just for virtual and then that becomes their TEDx talk? That was an innovation that happened during COVID. I continue to use that innovation about a speaker recording and editing their own talk for our virtual events. But for our in-person events, we do have real people standing on a stage and actually delivering a talk. This has been so much fun, Kat. You and I have known each other for, I think, over four years, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I have learned so much in this, what, 43 minutes. Um, I I thought I knew what you were all about. So this has been really a lot of fun. And I also thought I I, I knew a pretty good amount about TEDx, but you have very much educated me. And I think that obviously comes from the amount of history that you have with this organization, the amount of yourself that you've given to this organization. I didn't know that it, it came from a heart of not necessarily giving to TEDx, but giving to the world at large through this platform, right? Through this conduit. Um, so in that light, I would love to be for people to know a little bit more about you beyond TEDx. I know that you do some really fascinating work. Um, one of the things that you do is, and I'm not even exactly sure what this is, so I'd love for you to explain it a little bit, is inner resonance technologist. What? To, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's to me, it's the most empowering thing that I do. Yes, I create a platform for people to get their ideas out there. It's kind of like the uh, 20... 21st century calling card. Like if you have a TEDx talk, that's, that's a very cool thing. It's much more effective than handing someone a business card at a a conference, right? You send them the link and they immediately get a sense of who are you and what you're up to. So, um, there's, there's that piece, uh, But even beyond that, I feel like inner resonance technology is really about releasing your inner brilliance grounded in your lifetimes of wisdom. Um, It's it's way, way beyond a meditation, and it's incredibly powerful. So I've been doing transformational dance for decades. I was the master's and advanced uh, facilitator for uh, LifeSpring. I've been a six-year guide for Barbara Marks Hubbard and the Gateway for Conscious Evolution. I've been on Humanity Rising for ever since the pandemic began. And among all of that, this work of inner resonance technology is for my sense, the most liberating, aspiring, um, just, and it's done in like 10, 20, 30 minutes at the max. It just really lets you control your future. It's not about talk therapy. It's really about engaging your own imagination. 
Okay, so I'm going to rephrase just because I, I, this is a whole new concept to me. So I want to see if I'm anywhere close. So uh, it sounds to me like it's inner work and mm-hmm. it has an energetic component to it. Yes. And it's, it's maybe self-therapy. It's, it's Am I anywhere close? <laughs> guided by, it, it would be guided. Um, well, I guess you could say it's self-therapy because the person does respond in their own way to a series of questions and an energetic field that is holding the space, holding the, the opportunity for the person who is responding in ways they couldn't even imagine. And it happens so fast. So why am I doing this? Because I've been caring for Earth since I could walk. And I just wasn't seeing that things were changing. Mm -hmm. And the consequences of the damage that humans have done by extracting beyond what Earth can regenerate is now at a critical moment. And through IRT, I could sense that I had an immediate impact on people. So that's when I realized that in addition to TEDx Vail, in addition to We Rotary International Club of Peace, in addition to all of the world environmental boards that I've served on for decades, all of a sudden IRT was the thing that emerged so quickly, so clearly as the pathway. Um, and for me, it just so happens that Earth Care is my moving thing. But for others, I've seen them generate prosperity, financial abundance, um, beautiful love and relationships. Really, all aspects of a human's life can be moved quickly, clearly, and with great compassion. Truly fascinating, Kat. I've not ever heard of it. And it really sounds like I'm sure it's much deeper than this, but a shift in focus, right? It's very, very easy, especially when you're passionate about something. You're, you're, you're obviously very devoted and, and passionate about your uh, a very specific area of life. And for somebody else, it might be animals or child sex trafficking or, you know, whatever yeah. else it might be. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to focus on all the work that still needs to be done and all the, the wrong that's still out there about that topic, right? But it sounds to me like you're saying celebrate the wins, like celebrate and notice the advancements, like the good things that are happening, especially through maybe your own work. Because I I can really see that sometimes you feel like this little ant trying to build this wall of China, right? And you don't feel like you're getting very, very far. Uh, But look at what, look at the progress and notice it and celebrate it. That's what I'm getting. I'm sure it's a whole lot deeper because I, I honestly, I know nothing about this, this therapy, but it sounds really fascinating to me. You're very good at rephrasing and reframing and bringing something into very understandable worlds, words rather. I even walked across the United States from March of 2014 to November of 2014 from LA to DC, because I wanted people to pay attention to the climate that was breaking down a decade ago. Oh my goodness. I did not know that about you. That is amazing. 
Wowza. Well, I love your dedication and your devotion. And I want people to be able to reach out to you. I know that you've touched a, a lot of people. Um, and, and there's just so many layers of what we've spoken about. Let everybody know what to contact you for and what to not contact you for so that you're not getting, um, you know, a, a bunch of, of contact that maybe is, is, is not appropriate. But I do want to ask you this one thing. So let's say somebody does want to organize their own TEDx uh, yeah. organization. Yeah. Not chapter. Okay. It's organization. Let's do TEDx. That's their it. own TEDx. Okay. Uh-huh. Do you consult? Um, mm-hmm. That's a little way that you could get paid or are you not allowed to get paid for that? I, I, I have done all of that for free. But just today, some one of my friends said, Kat, that free stuff, it's over. Yeah. You are such a pro and expert at this. You need to shift your mindset. So I am uh, advising a local, well, I have advised about a dozen uh, new TEDx's. But well, I think what, there's not anybody that I that I've come across and I'm in this Space, the, the world of speaking space, who has been as devoted as you to an organization. So you know it inside and out, I'm sure a whole lot more in depth than maybe somebody who's just been doing it for a year or a few years. So I'm, I'm really hoping we've inspired some people today who happen to have some discretionary time and a burning desire to help other people get their voice out there and share their innovative ideas. And they're they're willing to step up to the plate and and maybe create their own TEDx. So, um, so reach out to Cat for that. Do not reach out to her if you want to be on her TEDx stage. There's a whole different process for that. But also reach out to her if you want more information on this inner resident. What say it? Say it. <laughs> inner resonance technology. And the way they could get a message to me is by going to. TEDx Veil on Facebook and just leaving a message there. Uh, TEDx So is it a uh, page, a group, or what is it? I think it's a group. Okay. Yeah. Um, And how I'm using IRT right now is connecting global youth change makers, climate coaches, and senior executives using the power of a trio and um, taking action, learning about languaging, um, the opportunities that adapting and responding to the culture of climate can be beneficial for companies, communities, families, networks. And um, yeah, that's, that's my growing edge. Very excited about that program this summer. And it will be free to climate coaches and global youth change makers. And we're currently developing an application for senior executives who want to take that um, training and become certified as a climate coach themselves. Okay, we'll make sure to put your links down in the show notes because I know there are going to be people who will absolutely want to reach out to you. So before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you the speak-packed question, 
And obviously we're all here because we know that we have a message worth sharing that is transformative and offers solutions to people who are looking for them, right? So mm-hmm. big pact is a pact to impact. What would you like to leave my audience with? What mandate or challenge or pact would you like to leave this audience? Gosh, that's really an interesting challenge to limit it to just one Antoniette. (laughs) Um, Well, let me speak to your audience who are probably speakers or coaches or uh, event producers. I would guess that's who most of them are. Mm -hmm. Yep. And most of them are high achieving ones. They're credentialed or they've been in their area of expertise for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's time to maybe step out of the day to day and get that solution um, spread to a global level. Um, I would say that being generous with your time and your authentic being um, is one way that you can step up your impact on the planet. Whatever it is that you find is not quite right, because you can see it, chances are you can also solve it. Ooh. Okay, so be generous. This is Kat's challenge for you. Let's be generous. Yeah. Let's be authentic. And if you see it, you can, what did you say? Change it? Chances are you can solve it. You can solve it. If you see it, chances are you can solve it. Ooh, that's a great way to end the show. You have been amazing. I hope I get to have you back at some point, Kat. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing all of this depth of wisdom that you have. You're so welcome, Antonia. All these years that we've been leapers together. This is the most engaged that we've been. So thank you for your attention and listening. Oh, it's been so much fun. All right. Ciao, ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the Speak Pact podcast. To become a recommended speaker of Antoniet's WPC Speaker Agency, or you are a host or planner looking for a dynamic expert in optimized performance, Antoniet would like to personally meet with you. Secure a time with her at speakerbooker.com. Again, that is speakerbooker.com. It all begins with a vision, a voice, and a pact to impact. Join the Speak Pact movement by joining our new private Facebook group at the link in our show notes. Find us on nearly every social media platform at One Antoniet. That's number one. A-N-T-O-N-I-E-T-T-E, or simply hashtag SpeakPact.